According to writer and legendary Angelino Joan Didion, the freeway is the only secular communion Los Angeles has. Which is a very poetic way of saying the frustrating, hypnotizing, almost narcotic experience of driving in L.A. is the only ritual all four million souls who call the city home definitely share. And Stu Mundell might know the roads in Los Angeles better than anyone. After all, he spent every day for the past 20 years hovering above them. And what do we see? We see everything. We go to the fires, we go to traffic accidents, we go to shootings, we go... Stu is an aerial journalist working for Fox 11 News, and he's probably the most famous helicopter reporter in the entire city. Basically, I fly around, look at stuff, and tell people what I see. How does it get any better? How does it get any better? Well, really. He starts his day by climbing 1,000 feet into the air above Los Angeles, and then he waits for stuff to happen. We had a, had a cliff rescue today. A hiker somehow got himself stuck on the side of a mountain. You know, it, every day is something a little bit different. Uh, but for the most part right now, because it's morning stuff, it's all traffic. That's what gets us in the air. Uh, But what keeps us in the air is the little nuggets of breaking news. And these nuggets of breaking news, they're pretty incredible. I've seen people get saved. I've seen uh, children rescued. I've seen um, first responders save lives, literally save lives right in front of me. Those type of moments stand out. But it's not just specific events he witnesses that make his vantage point so valuable. This dude gets to see the entire city, literally. Oh yeah, definitely. Every day. It, it is definitely the forest from the trees type of mentality. When you're down on the ground and you're driving, you're just kind of, you, you're just seeing the trees. And what I've learned is that there is a lot of beauty almost anywhere in Los Angeles. And it doesn't make any difference where you are in LA. If you spend a little bit of time you'll find the reason why people live in all these places, in some places where, where, where they are. They're labeled like, oh, well, you wouldn't want to live there or you wouldn't want to be there at night. And the reality is, is no. You, the, 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 there is something wonderful anywhere you go in Los Angeles. And that's my perspective from the air and on the ground. Trying to give people a detailed overview of Los Angeles in one show is like trying to cover breaking news there in a minivan. It's just not going to work. And that's the reason why you need a helicopter to cover news out here. Because we need to go, you know, 100 miles and we need to be there in 30 minutes. So for today's stories, we're going to zoom in on some very specific L.A. experiences. We have three people hitting the freeway with three different goals in mind. One person wants to connect with her past in Thai town. Another person wants to embrace two of her biggest passions, comfort food and L.A. rappers. And one person just wanted to meet the most L.A. person to ever exist in L.A. And she actually did. So we're riding along with them as they unspool these stories and, yes, subject themselves to L.A. traffic, which actually Stu can explain. We get distracted, we slow down, and then we don't react quick enough to start going again. And that usually is what creates traffic. My personal joke is, I love the Angelinos, I love Los Angeles, 
but heaven forbid there's a turn in the freeway, everybody's got to slow down, almost stop, and then you get this chain reaction, and then you get traffic. I'm Will Fulton, and this is Thrillist Explorers. All right, first up, Thrillist contributor Keisha Rains recently wrote an article for the website where she takes L.A. food recommendations straight from the lyrics of hip-hop songs. So a rapper will name drop a restaurant or a dish, and then she'll go try it out. We asked her to take us to some of the most notable selections on her list, and as it turns out, this is actually a pretty good way to see the city. Hey. Hey, what's up? Uh, Nothing. I just got home from doing a food crawl of L.A. of uh, spots mentioned in hip-hop. I actually, I pitched it as kind of a joke, and I didn't think that you guys would pick it up, and I'm really happy that you guys did, because it really just kind of puts together a lot of the things that I love, which is hip-hop, food, and making lists. (laughs) Okay, cool. So we can start right from the top. Uh, What was your first stop today? So the first place I went to was Brandy's Donuts by recommendation of the Tether Creator song Window. And uh, Haji has a line where he says, We at Randy's ordering at 306. Tyler Creator um, has mentioned Randy's before. Uh, so I thought it was like really important to go there. Um, I don't really eat donuts. I'm not a huge fan of it, but they mentioned milk and glazed. And so I got there and was kind of like overwhelmed by the choices. Oh, just um, just one glaze. Just one glaze and one glaze buttermilk? Yes. Okay. So as a, as a non-donut person, um, what did you think about this recommendation? I think that I have judged donuts harshly for like most of my life because they were really good. One tasted like a funnel cake and I was into it. I'm gonna take one more bite before I go to the next location. Sounds good. It's a good start. So good. What was your second stop on this food crawl? So, yeah, I the next spot I went to was Tams in Compton, based off the song Element by Kendrick Lamar. And the line goes... I be hanging out at Tams, I be on Stockton. I don't do it for the ground, I do it for Compton. In that song, Kendrick Lamar really establishes like who he is, that he really is doing it for his city and being authentic to himself. So bringing in Tams, which is the least pretentious place that you could ever step foot into. Um, so including it is, you know, kind of like a, a declaration of you know, kind of how authentic he is, but also putting it down for Compton. What kind of food? Is it like more like fast food kind of? Yeah, it's it's a burger shack. Um, they serve everything from like breakfast to um, dinner. It's greasy. It's fried. I got the chili cheese fries. Uh, an order of chili cheese fries. That of you? Yes. Are you sure? Yep, that's it. Okay. Because it's rumored to be what Kendrick Lamar orders when he goes to Tams. So how do they stack up against other chili cheese fries you know that you've had before? It's an entire clamshell, just full of fries, full of chili full of cheese. Uh, they're definitely within my top five. Oh, that's a spicy one. You know, one of the funny things that happened as I was driving out of the Tam's parking lot, um, someone knocked on my hood to let me know that. Your hood is up. My hood's up? Oh, thank you. <laughs> what? My hood was just completely up. Uh, but he just like went and pushed it down for me. Wow. Then I was on my merry little way. Thank you. 
No, I don't. <laughs> All right, so you got your Randy's donut, you got the chili cheese fries from Tams. Uh, where's where where was your next stop? So the next stop was Earl's Hot Dogs in uh, Lamert Park on Crenshaw. It's mentioned in Merz's song "L.A." He says, "Don't be scared of Crenshaw." I, I mean, I really like that line. Um, and, you know, Merz kind of tells people not to be scared of Crenshaw. And when he's saying Crenshaw, he means Crenshaw Boulevard. And it's a street that, like, really has been cast in a negative light. And it's a really, like, kind of great place to be. Um, there's a great community tied to it. And I talked to a guy that had been going to Earl's for, like, over a uh, decade. So how long have you been coming to Earl's Hot Dog? Oh, God, uh... 17 to 20 years. Well, here, but this place, uh... At Earl's, I got the beef hot dog. And they're also known for this thing called Playa's Punch, which I also got. You remember, like, in the 90s, they had this where it was like a blue container and there was like this guy with like red hair. It was, I'm pretty sure it was called Hawaiian Punch. Oh, yeah. Every, yeah, everyone knows Hawaiian Punch. Well, I mean, yeah, I know everyone knows. No, I didn't know everyone knows about it. <laughs> it just it tastes like Hawaiian Punch from your childhood. How was it? The dog itself had a really great uh, flavor to it. It also had a little bit of a crunch. It, it truly is like the best backyard barbecue hot dog you've ever had. Okay. So that mixed with like the Hawaiian Punch really gave me a lot of like, you know, 10th birthday party vibes. All right, we had donuts, uh, chili cheese fries, hot dogs, and play a punch. What was your fourth stop of the day? The next stop was Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. And you really could not have a list like this without including Roscoe's Chicken and Waffles. It's mentioned by Aesop Rocky, Ludacris, Tyler the Creator, Lil Wayne, Nicki Minaj, Mac Dre. But the song that I chose to focus on is Going Back to Cali by Notorious B.I.G. But when I got there, um, the guy taking my order was like, the most popular thing is the Obama special. And it blew it out of the water. Like it came with like wings and everything was just like super crispy. And uh, it still lives up. It's so good. It's deserving of all the hype that it has. I was outside um, in the front of Roscoe's eating and um, I struck up a conversation with a girl from Texas Texas? who was visiting. Nice. Why'd you guys want to come to Roscoe's? I heard Future say Roscoe's. Yeah. And was at Roscoe's specifically because Future mentioned it in a song. That's so cool. That's like exactly what you're doing, but just for personal reasons. I like was talking to the guy inside and I was like, oh, like what rapper is coming? And he was like, oh, Future, um, T.I. and like a few other people. Mm-hmm. He was just kind of like, yeah, they're just regular people. Like it was very like, oh. All right, Keisha, so what was your final stop of the day? So my final stop of the day was Nobu in Malibu, based off the song 100 Shots by Young Dolph. Nobu in Malibu was my last supper. Nobu is extremely bougie. They have, I think, two locations in L.A. The one in Malibu is like beautiful views, 
you feel fancy when you're there. I love that there's McDonald's across the street from Nobu. So, about to head in and be excited. Let's go. I asked um, a sushi chef, what should I get? And she recommended the yellowtail sashimi with jalapeno and the black cod with miso, which actually came with a recommendation from pretty much any staff that I came into contact with. I had concern that I was going to be too full to, you know, really appreciate the meal I was about to consume. But no, everything was just it's amazing. Um, I get it. Yeah, I really felt like I was living. <laughs> you ran the gamut as far as just like comfort food to Nobu, which is radically different. Do you think that doing this, uh, getting food recommendations and restaurant recommendations from rappers is a good way to find new places? You know, I feel like, I mean, their rappers are as credible as giving you recommendations of places as much as like any listicle would be. If a rapper is suggesting someplace, it usually means that like there's some history involved in it. There's like a tie to the city. Seems like a great way to see the city, honestly. Yeah, it really was because I, you know, started out you know, in South L.A. and then worked my way all the way up to Malibu. Um, so I saw a lot of L.A. Uh, well, Keisha, thank you so much. I feel like uh, learned a lot, had some fun riding along with you, and yeah, take some tums or something. <laughs> right. Yeah, let's talk soon. All right, you can read Keisha's article in full on Thrillist.com. There's also a link in our description, so check it out. And in the meantime, we're going to take a quick break but stick around, you'd be a damn fool to leave right now. Every city has its cast of characters that are local celebrities in town. In New York, we have the Green Lady of Brooklyn and that guy who walks around Soho with a cat on his head. But naturally, the local celebrities in L.A. are bigger, bolder, and in this case, a lot pinker. Thrillers producer Gabrielle Williot spent a few months in L.A. this fall and she managed to meet the woman who is maybe the most L.A. person in L.A. She's got the story. Ask anyone outside of Los Angeles, and they've probably never heard of Angeline the Billboard Queen. But in L.A., she's about as famous as the Hollywood sign. Yeah, she's a lady in all of the billboards. Angeline is like the lucky rabbit's foot on the keychain of Los Angeles. And she's like the most famous woman in Hollywood. I saw her once at a gas station. When you see her, you know that you're going to have a good day. And you're going to have a good day in a specifically Los Angeles way. Since the 1980s, her picture has ruled the skies of L.A., splashed across thousands of billboards throughout town. And yes, I said thousands. And I should note, it's a very sexy, hard-to-miss picture. A beautiful, buxom blonde laying on a hot pink Corvette. By all accounts, she's a local legend. And as soon as I found out about Angeline, I knew I had to meet her. Okay, I see the Corvette. And the car. Holy shit. Legitimately the coolest car I've ever seen. Hi, Angeline. It's so nice to meet you. Thank you. Let's sit over there. Okay. 
Angeline is pretty much exactly as she appears on her billboards in living form. Tight short dress, check. Long fuchsia nails, check. High heels and even higher hair, check and check. She did not disappoint. Okay, so we're recording. Testing, testing, is that better? Yeah. Much better? Yep. And as soon as I meet her, it's clear that the pink, the persona, the quirks. Is that one of your hairs on there? Oh no. Throw it out the window. Yeah. None of it's an act. It is all Angeline. The one that owns Los Angeles. Ooh. <laughs> so what does it mean to own Los Angeles to you? It just means that I love it here. When you own something, you love it. When you love something, you can own it without, you know, being in control of it. Do you know the difference? Owning it and not controlling it so other people can own it on their own level. So how did Angeline come to own Los Angeles? She rose to fame in the mid-80s after she and her boyfriend put up billboards with her picture on it to advertise their band. The band, so you put up these voluptuous, gorgeous pictures of me, basically to get attention for the band. And it worked. But it only worked for me. <laughs> basically overnight, all of L.A. knew her name. Suddenly she was on talk shows, the radio, and even making movie cameos. Here she is in the 1988 comedy, Earth Girls Are Easy. Excuse me, could you back up? I need to get some unleaded. Back up, back up, back up, back up. But Angeline said none of this sudden attention changed much about her life. Fame was pretty much an inevitability. It was Los Angeles that was different now. It changed the minute I became famous. It got brighter. There was an inspiration. Like so many people in L.A., Angeline unapologetically loves attention. And she'll be the first one to tell you that. And while she has that classic tale of seeking fame from a young age, she explained to me that there was more behind it than you might think. And I always said, even when I was little, I wanted to become famous for a really good reason. For lack of better terminology, I used the word spiritual reason. Because to me, spiritual means good. I wanted to save the world when I was three. And I thought, well, if I became famous and inspired the world, maybe that would help. I also had this fantasy that I would sit on the world leader's laps and say, you're not going to blow up the world. But the way things are now, I'm not sure. <laughs> and speaking of sitting on politicians' laps, Angeline has even run for political office in Los Angeles herself a handful of times. And whether or not she had real political ambitions or if it was all a publicity stunt, who really knows? But it is obvious that Angeline truly wants to connect with the people of this town. On any given day, you can catch her waving to fans from her famous pink Corvette, selling signed photos or t-shirts out of her trunk. I have to tell you that wearing that shirt is going to bring you a lot of sex. You better watch out. <laughs> and she even offers personalized rides where she'll give you a private tour of Los Angeles. Of course, that will cost you around 500 bucks, but it does give you a bit of a spiritual journey in addition to the literal journey in the car. I want to reach them directly, like on a grassroots level. Yeah. And all those people I give rides to, I feel like they're 
what's the word? Disciples of mine. I'm best friends with that person for the half hour they're with me. And I take them where they feel, where I feel that they're going to get the best out of it. I gave a lot of rides and every person was so interesting. I think I did a thousand rides and there was only three and a half weird people in five years. Oh, wow, that's pretty good. Not, not bad, huh? No. On my tour, we drove through Hollywood, listened to some of her music, I always keep a list. and parked at a nice overlook to check out the view. And I sort of get it. I kind of feel like we're actually becoming friends while we're talking. So you were on a rebound with somebody? Yes. <laughs> what happened? Talk about it. Get off your chest for a minute. Well, I... Of course, what you tell Angeline in the pink Corvette stays in the pink Corvette. But I started to understand why she is so beloved by locals. In a town run by elusive celebs... Angeline is both peak celebrity culture and one of us all at the same time. She has a notable willingness to connect with fans in a way that other celebrities just don't. As we chat, she starts telling me about a new project she's working on, an expose she's producing about her decades-long career, and she alludes to her own experiences with the darker side of finding fame. And, you know, I talk about things that have happened to me, how I made it how guys have tried to take advantage of me and, you know, casting couch stuff. It's when something horrible happens, I say, okay, I've learned from this. This gives me credit. It gives me credibility. And it makes me paranoid of certain things. I mean, the fact that I lost my parents when I was five, I said, I'm going to get the love of the world. And then, Angeline, you'll be happy and it'll be all made up to you. So I talk to myself like that just just so that I know. And it works. It's an emotional drive that really pushes us. Emotions are the things that give us our pain and our pleasure. In case you haven't noticed. Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> it makes perfect sense that Angeline's love story with the world began in Los Angeles. In a way, this city is a playground of attention for Angeline, the ultimate attention seeker. Well, L.A. is the crossroads of the world because everything emanates from here. And it, it's a seed planting place. And it's also the world of the ego. Both things exist here, the shallowness and the grandiose of positive ego. When people say they have an ego trap, it's it's a negative thing. But when somebody's doing good, they're very gracious. And when they're when a person makes it, like people come up and tell me they have a shrine to me, you know. And I'm very grateful. I'm very humbled by it. Do you ever wish though that you could just go from point A to point B and not be recognized? No, well, that would be stupid. I feel like I got to know the city and its people and what they're all about better from talking to Angeline than any other experience I've had here. And it might come as no surprise when I ask her favorite part about LA. That I'm here. That's a good answer. That's true. <laughs> if I wasn't here, would it be the same? I want to be the most famous woman in the world. So we all need to get me the most famous person in the world. That's me, Angeline. 
Amazing. That's a great note to end on. Thank you. want to see and hear more from Angeline and why wouldn't you in the near future she plans on releasing a six-part miniseries expose and movie called Angeline Billboard Queen so keep your eyes peeled and your hearts open all right if you listen to this podcast before you'll recognize Kat Thompson she's a food writer at Thrillist and an LA native when we asked her what she wanted to do with this episode she asked us if she could visit Thai Town. She grew up going there and has a ton of excellent, really deep cut picks. And we said, yeah, for sure. And then she asked if she could bring along her mom. And we said, yes, definitely for sure. So here's Kat and her mom, Surasvati, and their mini tour of Thai Town. So I'm just about to pull up to my mom's house. Um, we're going to go all over Thai Town to some of our favorite haunts. <laughs> I don't think my mom knows what a podcast is but she will never say no to a little adventure so i think it's going to be really fun i was born in bangkok but grew up in la and like most immigrants who don't speak english and know absolutely no one after moving across the world my mom wanted to find a community of people who understood her culture and language knock knock luckily for her she moved to los angeles <laughs> good morning are you ready to go My mom and I have always been extremely close. I think we had to because when she immigrated here, she had no one. It was just me and my brothers. She's an artist. I'm a writer. We're kind of just two peas in a pod, obsessed with spicy food and motivated by our love of creating. I'm just going to set up her mic while that, <laughs> while the song ends. It's a running joke among Thais that LA is the officially unofficial 77th province of Thailand because it houses the most Thais in the world outside of Thailand. The result is the only Thai town in all of America, which is a little six-block pocket in East Hollywood, sandwiched by Las Villas to the east and little Armenia to the west. Let's go! And it has some of the absolute best Thai food in all of the states. It's, it's always nice driving here because then all the restaurants are in Thai and it's, I don't know, doesn't it feel kind of, it feels very like home. Mm. We're heading to one of my favorite restaurants in Thai town. Blink and you might miss it. That's because Siam Sunset, which serves Thai breakfast food starting at 6am, is located in the lobby of an America's best value inn. Um, I was going to ask you, do you remember the first time you ever went to Sam Sunset or no? Oh, long time ago. I know, but how long? Like 20, 25 years? <laughs> I think around that. I think the Thai people, they know that place very yeah. well. Yeah. Sam Sunset has been around since I was a kid. So at least 20 years of life-altering jok or Thai rice porridge. Theirs is filled with garlicky meatballs and served with bacham kol, which is a Chinese-style fried cooler, and you can use it to dunk it into the porridge, but I prefer to dunk it into condensed milk, and it's stupidly good. That's so good. All right, America's best value in motel. You want to park in the front? But it's not just the food that is stellar. It's everything about Sam's Sunset that makes it so special to me. Do you have enough quarters? I have it. Okay. The walls are adorned with Thai art and images of the king, 
the TV is always blaring either Thai news or some corny new Thai soap opera. It, it is a place that spans generations and is absolutely cherished by me, my brothers, and my mom. And I guess the rest of the Thai community in LA for all the comforting and filling meals it's provided. Okay, Loom, I forgot it's cash only. I have $8. <laughs> it's the kind of place where you hear most people ordering in Thai. Next, one block over is another spot that's been around pretty much all my life. We're going to go pick up food at Ban Khanom Thai. Ban Khanom Thai, which literally translates to House of Thai Desserts. And then we're going to go eat at Griffith Park. Their specialties are desserts of all kinds. Fresh-made Thai crepes, coconut and sticky rice pancakes studded with corn, plush bread buns stuffed with pandan custard, and, of course, my favorite, mung bean pudding. And it's where, back in the day, my mom used to buy, like, Thai calling cards uh, to call Thailand. Oh, let me get my wallet. So, different time. All right, we're getting out of the car again. But it's definitely been a pillar of the community. Wait, I want, I want uh, bangji for sure. Uh, bangji, uh, okay, bangji. This is not cash only, right? I have it. Okay, it's okay, I got it, Mom. <laughs> With our joke and our pachanko in tow, we made our way up to Griffith Park. Dude, he's not even in the right lane. <sighs> well, we just had one small issue. Oh my gosh, it's because he's not from L.A., he's from Tennessee, he doesn't know how to drive. I feel like when I come home to L.A., I become a worse version of myself because well, when I drive, drive, I get so mad. <laughs> That's why I like taking the train, and New York is good for me. <laughs> Well, New York good for you, but it's far from from me, know, far from mommy. I know, I'll come back for you. Don't worry. They only gave us one spoon, so I'm just gonna drink this soup. Boy, I'm out of food. Mmm, yum. My mom is eating tofu and ginger soup, and I'm eating <clears throat> rice porridge with pork meatballs, and I just finished. The Chinese style donuts with condensed milk, so good. Mm. Wow, I feel like a kid again. The meatballs are the best part. I love it. So at this point, we were really full, but we had one last stop to make. <laughs> okay, let's put your mic back on. Okay, this is for you. How do you feel about being on a podcast? Is this is this annoying to you? No. Oh, something different. Our last stop on our mini road trip through LA's Thai community is actually going to take us out of the six block radius that is Thai Town. Drive to Laksi, South. Yeah, five South. Okay, cool. Instead, we're zooming to Laksi in Chinatown, also known as Thai Costco. All right, we're on our way. I had a friend who um, he asked me uh, where to buy Thai ingredients because he wanted to cook Thai food at home, oh. and I told him to go to Laksi, <laughs> and he went, and he was like. That was oh the craziest place I've ever been to. <laughs> yep. He was like, what am I supposed to do with um, a bucket of soy sauce? <laughs> Laxi is where every Thai restaurant owner stocks up on their ingredients. There are tubs of palm sugar, gallon buckets of soy sauce, and every flavor of mama instant noodle you could possibly want stacked in cardboard boxes. Okay, we're here. Okay. It's also where my mom, an enthusiastic home cook, snags some of her ingredients. Do you need a cart? The giant warehouse not only houses a bunch of ingredients, but also the tools for those looking to replicate Thai meals. You can find woven bamboo steamers for sticky rice, a giant clay mortar and pestle for som tham, 
and every size rice cooker that would be appropriate for yourself or for your family. What are you getting? You're getting shrimp paste. I want to get curry powder. Curry powder. It's honestly one of my favorite places to wander in. I never knew that there were so many types of srirachas or oyster sauces or chili oils. I like smelling all the imitation scents, like jasmine and pandan for Thai confectionaries, which is really cool to have. And I love stocking up on fresh chili paste in the small deli-like counter housed in the corner of Black Sea. They have like every type of chili paste that you can possibly imagine. Wow, that was <laughs> an excursion. All right, let's see if we can get out of this busy parking lot. It's so busy. Oh, we're going, we're going. Ah! Okay, okay, okay. Okay, here How long have you been shopping at Lexi? You know, long time, but not so much. If my friend come from another state, I just take them here for shopping, yeah, the food so to go back. Yeah. yeah, if I go visit my cousin in Oklahoma or in uh, Florida or wherever, yeah. I all go shopping for you too to oh, yeah. take back to New York when we come here because we can find everything for, from Thailand. Thai yeah. food, Very so many things. Yeah. Mom, do you feel like um, because there's a Thai town in LA, that you felt very close to Thailand yeah. by going to Thai town? Yeah, sometimes I think I don't need to go back to Thailand. Really? <laughs> because uh, they have a Thai temple here, they have a Thai food here, Thai yeah. restaurant, Thai market. I think, you know, the main thing for the people, eat. Yeah. Right? They have a good Thai restaurant here. Some, <laughs> some restaurant in Thai food here, I think a lot better and tasty more than in Thailand. Yeah. But the Thailand, they anyway, it's Thai food style, is... Yeah. A, a lot, a lot of Thai food anyway, yeah. but here, not bad. What do you think, what do you think you miss the most about Thailand that you can't get here? Oh, my childhood family. Oh, childhood, okay, yeah, yeah. My childhood family, you know, yeah. my aunt, my cousin, my mom cousin, you know, in yeah. Bandala, that's yeah. just my, the place I grow up. Yeah. I have my, my family over there. I'm going, I'm going, I'm turning. Oh, oh, you're turning. Ah! I'm going, I'm going. I'm so, so fortunate to have grown up in L.A. I mean, the Dodgers and Lakers both won their respective championships this year. The sun is almost always shining, which means beach days in February are entirely plausible. And of course, as established, the food scene is incredible. But most of all, I love the little community in and around Thai Town that has really shaped me provided me with language and given me and my mom a place to call home so far from our own. Wow, thank you, Mama. You're welcome. You have I have fun with you. I truly cherish being both Thai and an Angelino. And I love it. Yeah, Thai Town is home. All right, let me take okay. your mic off. Bye-bye, everybody. <laughs> nice to talk to you. I don't know you, but I'm happy to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> me too. You can read all of Kat's excellent writing on food on Thrillist.com. Okay, we're going to take another quick break, but when we come back, Thrillist LA editor Daniel Dorsey is going to help us wrap up this episode. In the meantime, here are some really cool products and slash or services you should check out. All right, Danielle, how are you today? What's up? Hey, I'm good. Um, just want to let you know up front that I am a new puppy owner. Okay. Uh, she just woke up from a nap, so we might hear a few like errant 
growls or <laughs> usually the errant growls uh come from me so it's good to have someone else on the other line <laughs> we've heard a lot of stories from los angeles today but we want to uh talk to you about some picks that people can apply to their next trip to los angeles so i think the first thing i want to ask you about what would your pick be for kind of an under the radar neighborhood uh i would definitely choose culver city especially now if you want to kind of avoid the crowds still get a lot of the same experience still have like great restaurants and hikes and bars um and also culver city is probably like one of the most walkable neighborhoods in la which is really saying something because la is not yeah. a walkable city and what about the bar category because that's really what i'm interested in <laughs> my favorite is Mandrake Bar. It's a more of a neighborhood spot. Um, and Bigfoot Lodge West, it has like a lodge ski resort kind of vibe, uh, really great whiskey list. And then if you're into speakeasy vibes, there is a cool place called Blind Barber that is hidden within a barber shop. Well, I feel like speakeasies, are, those type of bars, they're always in barbershops. What's up with the connection? <laughs> right. Or maybe that's just like an easy place because it's like a barbershop is always going to close at five. True. Yeah. What are some other areas that you would say, you know, this is kind of a cool place to look to stay, to get an Airbnb or to look for a hotel? So if you're more interested in the east side of L.A., Echo Park, Silver Lake, Highland Park, those are all great neighborhoods, ton of bars, ton of restaurants, lots of parks and green spaces, hikes. Pasadena is also a really undervalued neighborhood, um, especially if you wanna kind of avoid the crowds. Pasadena basically has like everything that neighborhood like Silver Lake or Echo Park would have. It's just further north, um, so people don't always want to drive that far. But if you're coming just to explore the city, I think it's a pretty good choice. What's your take on the public transit situation in Los Angeles? Is it, is it easy for people to use? Would you recommend people try it out to explore the city? It's definitely improved. Our metro system is pretty good for like getting to major neighborhoods, but then you're probably going to want have a bike or an uber or a friend pick you up to kind of get to your specific destination so what are some pandemic friendly activities that people can do in los angeles um you know that are fun but still safe yeah i mean even though most la museums are still close to the public a lot of smaller galleries are still open by appointment also, you can see some public art. We just published a story that profiles a lot of street murals in East LA by different Latinx artists. Um, all of those murals are kind of located within the same two to three mile radius. Uh, we also profiled some cool street murals in our Indigenous Peoples Day piece. And outside of what we've published, like you can literally just walk around LA and see so much cool street art. Um, getting out in nature and going. Griffith Park has so many trails, so that's been a favorite of mine. Um, definitely avoid Runyon Canyon during the pandemic and always. It's just, in my opinion, not worth it for the crowds. 
there are trails that kind of take you through Mulholland Drive and I didn't even get to like Malibu and all of and Topanga Canyon. Um, you know, we're a big city, but there's still so much nature to explore here. So what are your picks for, you know, your personal favorite bars in Los Angeles? La Cita. They have great Bloody Marys on the weekends. And I really loved um, this new bar in Chinatown called Apoteki. I think I'm saying that right. I totally know that bar. Um, I think it's Apotique. Oh. Yeah, it's a very like a pharmacy themed bar. I love the one um, in here in New York in Chinatown. I love that like they label their drinks according to like its supposed benefits. So it's like aphrodisiac, health and beauty. So you can kind of trick yourself into thinking that the alcohol is good for you. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, Danielle, I have a hot L.A. tip for you, actually. Speaking of things that are going from New York to L.A., Prince Street Pizza in Soho, which is a thrillist favorite because it's right by the office, just opened a new location in Los Angeles in West Hollywood. Oh, my God. I think I have heard of this opening, but I have not been yet, so... I will now with this recommendation have to try it out. Yeah, good pizza in LA, right? Now you have it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> that was a little shady, but it's okay. <laughs> so another thing I know uh, about you, Danielle, is that you do tarot readings. It's been a very tumultuous, difficult year. I was wondering if, if we would be able to end this LA episode with you, our LA editor, giving us a really quick reading on, on what we all can expect in 2021. Yeah, well, well, I do have my cards. Um, so I would just say to focus on that question. Okay. And then let me know when you feel ready to pull a card. Okay. Thinking about Los Angeles, I'm thinking about 2021 for LA. Will I visit? I'd, I would love to. Um, I don't know. Okay. All right. So we pulled the Knight of Cups. So I would say that what this might mean for 2021 is that we will be asked to keep our feelings and perspectives. Maybe trying to think of the big picture when we're making day-to-day actions, which sounds a little bit like a carryover from our current year. But this is also a card that speaks a lot to creativity, imagination. So maybe it's saying something positive about what we might be able to create with extra time at home or who knows. Can I hold on a second? My someone's. Oh yeah, yeah. No, that's no problem. All right, so thanks to Danielle, and for the record, we both said the name of that bar wrong. It's actually Apotech. But hey, if you find any mistakes you want to complain about or anything to praise us for or comment on, we have a voicemail box, one eight three three pod baby Call us, leave us a message, we might play it on the show, and yes, we are being 100% serious. 
This episode was produced by Jake Rasmussen and Mia Fask, edited by Jake Rasmussen. Big thanks to Megan Kirsch, Jim D'Amico, Brett Kushner, Emily Feld, and from iHeartRadio, Mangesh Hadakudor. This episode was mixed by Thrillist's own Billboard queen, Daniel Byrne. <laughs> he is not going to like that joke. But you all made it to the end of this episode, so I'll leave you with a fun fact. It is illegal to lick a toad in the city of Los Angeles. But hey, that never stopped me. All right, see you next week. <laughs>